Another great guest today in the Scotty Mac with Cheese podcast, powered by Markin Properties, five-star resort getaways, two along Lake Lanier in, in Georgia, another beautiful spot in Fort Lauderdale. I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Josh Eaches, uh, impressive title, Chief Meteorologist. That sounds it's a fancy title. I am. I'm really impressed with that. I, now, you've been in Baton Rouge for how long? I moved here in September 2013, which, uh, gosh, in television years seems like a long time. And even in life, you know, uh, the older you get, the faster the years go by. And it's hard to believe I've been been in Baton Rouge for, uh, well, yeah, it'll be seven years this September. So where'd you come from? I've, a couple places. Uh, grew up in Philadelphia uh, and then ah. went to college on the other side of that state, just outside of Pittsburgh, small school called California University of Pennsylvania. And I was lucky enough to score my first TV gig, uh, really only about an hour drive from campus. So um, I didn't have to move across the country and uh, go to a completely unfamiliar area. And I formerly worked in Steubenville, Ohio, and Wheeling, West Virginia. It was a split TV market. And then I came here from there. It seems like to me, now this is going this is going to show how old I am, but I remember when Pat <laughs> Shingleton, he came from Pittsburgh. That's, yeah. No, that's correct. There was a time... For those who are loyal WBRZ Channel 2 watchers, when I got here, there was a time where the three of us, Pat Shingleton, then Dave Nussbaum, who's at WWL now in New Orleans, right. and myself, all had Pennsylvania slash direct Pittsburgh connections, which was interesting. Uh, my wife and I uh, truly did move here thinking it was, you know, as TV can be, just a quick assignment and then move on to the next job. But we so quickly fell in love with the city and the community and the things to do here and Southern culture, and specifically Louisiana culture, and my goodness, Saturdays in the fall, what is there not to love about that? So, yeah. uh, And that really has been a big part of keeping us, keeping so us around. So you're obviously an LSU fan. Yeah, I mean... You uh, better be. That, that part <laughs> of that fancy title comes from. That's where that, that last degree came from. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up in Philadelphia where you're in an NFL city. There was college uh, college station in the middle of the state, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah. State college. State college. State <laughs> yeah, I can, I can tell you're now in South Louisiana because you thought about uh, Texas A&M before you thought about Penn yeah, State. I, I like to think about Texas A&M as, as infrequently as possible. And oh. there you can see they've already invaded uh, some space in my head. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, you see, you fit right in, Josh. You really do. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and speaking of LSU, I got to tell you this. And this is, I don't know how you're going to respond to this title I want to give you, but uh, you are so okay. good at what you do and your craft. I call you the Joe Burrow of meteorologists. How do that you... is lofty. <laughs> lofty. That is lofty. I am, I am no Heisman winner. Okay. Well, I also have uh, kind of referred to you, well, at least to my wife, as the Nash Roberts from way back in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. I, you know the. You I am familiar. He was one of those guys that used to, uh, and you know, Pat did this early in his days too, where you you, you would draw on a whiteboard or chalkboard uh -huh. forecast. Right. Um, I tell you, things have changed so much since then, and the science has gotten so much better, and the technology's gotten so much better that 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 breed simply doesn't exist anymore for for fact that you'd have to be a fool to go against the National Hurricane Center. Um, it is typically a losing bet. Uh, I don't know of too many cowboys out there that still do that. Mm. But back in the day when the science was a little bit more obscure and we knew less, 
some of the really, truly brilliant minds of the day uh, were able to do that. But uh, you would be fighting a losing battle to do that these days. I just saw a graphic on social media last night, and it was a... Um, it was the average size of the National Hurricane Center forecast over the last, uh, well, 40 years now. And in 1998, if there was a storm, let's say, near um, or in the Caribbean Sea, the cone would take up the entire Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> the cone of uncertainty, literally yeah. from Brownsville, Texas, Miami, Florida. And then by 2008, the cone would still take up about half of the Gulf of Mexico. So, so that's where uh, a Nash Roberts would really fit in and be able to add a little less ambiguity to that cone. And now, 12 years after that, I mean, you saw with Cristobal, we were able to narrow that cone to just the state of Louisiana. Now, That's it, why I say over the years, technology has gotten so much better that it's, it's, it's so hard. How are you going to add specificity to that? So we think it's going to make landfall on Louisiana coast. If you want to go, whether it's going to be Cameron Parish or Blackman's Parish, go ahead. But uh, that's, that's yeah. tight. Do uh, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned Christ, uh, What is it? Cristobal? Cristobal? I heard one of the ladies on the <laughs> Weather Channel. Say Cristobal? The phonetic pronunciation is Cristobal, but oh. uh, I don't know who in a time-limited three-minute uh, weather segment is going to go with all three. We, we, we certainly shortened it to say it as quickly as possible to just Cristobal. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, phonetically, properly, it is Cristobal. Okay. Yeah. I had no clue. <laughs> well, I'm, are we going to have to face this storm name again? I hope we not. will. We will. In uh, six years, we'll have another Cristobal. They will not be retiring this one. Oh, gee. I, I don't like the name. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot going on in my life if I'm worrying about that, right? What, wh- real quick, what's your prediction about hurricane season? Oh, I mean, I, I, I truly do think it's going to be above average. Um, as you know, when we, we issue these predictions, it's for total activity in the basin. There's just no skill in predicting where they're going to go. We don't have the ability to do that. But I, I wholeheartedly believe we're going to have a, a, an above average number of named storms. And once they develop them, you know, we'll see what happens from there. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get down towards the, uh, the R or the S name this year um, based on where we are already and uh, what the conditions are looking like for later in the year. Tell us a little bit. I want to kind of get into your history uh, at Channel Uh 2. When you came here in, what, 2013, did you say? That's right. Uh, You come here, and so was there a learning curve for you even if you were, well, you did. You had a degree. You know, things behave a little bit differently in different regions of the country. You absolutely have that foundational knowledge of forecasting and, and meteorology and the basics of how the atmosphere works, but there are uh, what we call micro scale and meso scale, which are just basically geographic sizes on which you're forecasting geographic um, or spatial ranges. And you learn those intricacies as you move around. So in eastern Ohio, uh, you you did deal with lake effect snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and bodies of water, however close you are to them, are often going to have an impact on your forecast. And, of course, here it's all about the big bathtub to the south and the mm-hmm. Gulf. Yeah. And that can play havoc with our weather. But even on a, to a smaller effect, uh, and in the warm season, especially, I see Lake Pontchartrain uh, dictating a lot of our weather pattern. For instance, just yesterday, when we had a few showers and storms around, um, you can watch on radar in the afternoon by about 11 to 12 o'clock where the sea breeze will kick in off of the lake. And that becomes a mini front that starts to spawn some showers and thunderstorms. Um, so we'll call that sea breeze or lake breeze convection. Mm. And that was something I had to learn about when I got here because we did not deal with that from Lake Erie in eastern Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing we had to, I had to learn about that behaved a little differently here is, is fog formation. Fog formation does not follow uh, the textbook rules here in southeast Louisiana. 
typically when you have light winds and clear skies and the air temperature falls to the dew point temperature, the air saturates and fog develops. Right. And we get that here in the fall and in the spring, but not necessarily in the summer. And there are right. many nights where our air temperature falls to the dew point with a calm wind and you just don't have fog. And a lot of it will have to do with wind direction and adding moisture to the atmosphere from the lakes. Mm-hmm. So typically in the, the fall or the spring, a southeast breeze over the lakes of about five miles per hour and that, that temperature dew point in the 60s will, will tend to produce the fog. So it's it's unique. You learn different challenges in different areas, but those were, were two that stood out to me the most. Yeah, I can remember uh, several times driving, you know, my wife's from New Orleans, so we'd make that trip. And mm-hmm. it, especially in the spring, I noticed this, I could just look up. And uh, if we're driving back at night, I could, I could just feel it in the air. I said, man, we're going to have some fog tomorrow morning. I can just feel mm-hmm. it. So why did you choose to become a meteorologist? So many of us have such a similar story. Uh, so I mean, I guess it sounds a little cliche. If you've spoken to one, you've spoken to many. But uh, when I was five or six, I was afraid of weather. Um, it was a, a specific event. It was a thunderstorm. Uh, I was sitting out on our covered porch by my parents and my grandmother, and we had a lightning strike at the end of our driveway, and we had a, a transformer on the telephone line or the, mm-hmm. the electric line at the end right. of our driveway, oh, sure. and it blew. So so we heard the, the pop of the lightning and then the explosion of the transformer, and because of that, I was only five, probably for a year or so afterwards, I was pretty afraid of thunderstorms, pretty afraid of weather. Mm-hmm. And I guess after that, it turned into curiosity. I started watching the Weather Channel a lot because I was worried about when thunderstorms would be coming when I was going to be scared again. But then I got kind of just more interested in the weather from watching all of the other coverage and their enthusiasm for it. So by like six or seven, I was pretty sure this is what I wanted to do for a career. Um, so it was kind of interesting that I was actually able to, to parlay that into a career ultimately. You know, some of us when we're six or seven, we want to be a quarterback or an astronaut or a firefighter. Uh-huh. And not many people end up doing what they want to do when they're six. So it was unique that I was able to kind of live out that dream a couple of years ago. I did my first on-air gig. When you mention the Weather Channel, <laughs> you know what I call the Weather Channel, don't you? I, I don't. Yeah, it's Hulu for old people. That's what... <laughs> You got to get that L local forecast on the 8th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's so true. Now, the demographics probably uh, for weather are probably a little bit older. Do you find that to be true? The ones that really bit. follow you. Yeah. You know what? No, interesting on social media. Uh we, you know, our, our new meteorologist, Marissa Nuzo, uh, she's very astute with social media. And uh, over so are the last you. couple of weeks as we've been working together, we've been looking into just kind of analytics and things like that. And really the, the WBRZ weather demo that we've been able to find seems to be uh, women ages about 25 to 40. Um, wow. So it's not, not, typical. It's not what I expected. I, I expected what you were older, just saying right yeah. there, that it would be kind of an older demographic. But gotcha. it's, it's really kind of middle-aged, young to middle-aged adults. So you touched on the thing that the other thing that's uh, different about meteorology right now, particularly on broadcast, is that social media is a huge part of it, besides all the fancy stuff the National Hurricane Center gives you. Even more so now, social media is so important to be in part of a, an efficient weather team. Um, I devote of an eight-hour shift, maybe. Of course, I'm on air for about four of those, but uh, the other four is sincerely devoted to content on our website and on Facebook and on mm-hmm. Twitter and our mobile weather app now. So, you know, in in the 1970s and 80s, when the Nash Roberts and the Pat Shingleton started, 
that is when you focus solely on air. But because of, you know, the lacking technology, it took that long to get on our presentation ready. Now our graphic systems make it such that once we make our actual forecast, which I will spend about 90 minutes of my shift doing, that is digging into the meteorology and making the forecast, making the graphics can go rather quickly. And we're talking in a matter of 10 to 15 minutes. And that leaves the rest of my shift for taking care of all of those other digital responsibilities. So it's a more fast-paced environment now as social media has made the world, uh, but it also gives us an opportunity to reach people who are now cutting the cord and not watching TV anymore and not consuming media right. traditionally. We're still able to provide them a forecast. And, that, and that's a really cool thing because you don't feel the uh, time crunches. It's kind of like a podcast. You don't necessarily feel like, yeah. okay, in this interview uh, that would be on uh, News Talk Station, there are some time constraints because we've got to get yeah. to the next person. And I say, I say we, I mean, I have to go back to when I was on a news talk station and most of the people that know me in Baton Rouge have been used to hearing me around music. And uh, yeah. it's like, you know, guys come up to me and say, oh, I hear you on the news talk station, Scotty Mac. I know something bad's getting ready to happen. And then, and then I get, and, and, you know, it's like, and when I have Josh come in and spend 15 minutes with us on the air, just hearing it in the background, you know, you really know something's about to go down. Yeah. It's not always ideal when, uh, the, the news outlets are talking to meteorologists in the area. It's not, not usually for good reasons, but uh, obviously that mentality has changed when somebody is choosing a podcast by choice and you already know who the guest is and the, the title uh, when you download the podcast and whatnot. So it yeah. does, uh, does certainly make it a little less ominous. Uh, I want to talk to you about your most memorable weather moments here. Can you give us mm -hmm. a few? I, I would guess oh, that I mean, the, the flood, yeah. yeah, the flood would be. Yeah, no doubt. The flood, I can probably think of one or two more. The flood, though, stands out for, for the, the number one reason for that is, I mean, that entire event is just a blur. But when you think about this, and, and I want those that are hearing this to think about not just myself, but all of the, the Channel 2, and then for that matter, the other media employees in the city. I was on air during that event and certainly broadcasting to the best of my ability, the river levels that we were aware of, the forecasts to where they were going, learning about backwater flooding, which was something that we hadn't had to deal with here in a long, long time, and I certainly hadn't in my career. And we're trying to deliver this message and put people's minds at ease when many people's homes are coming underwater and water seeping under their doorways, through their walls and whatnot. And at the same time, Myself and all of my colleagues had these same concerns. In between hits, I was getting updates from my wife, pictures from the water getting farther and farther up our driveway, and then messages from her about her evacuating and her coworkers coming over to kind of lift our furniture to at least get that off the floor in case we lost our carpets and our flooring, taking the new puppy that we had just gotten two weeks ago with her and what house they were going to evacuate to. And I was very lucky that the water pretty much stopped right at our front door. We were yeah. an island on our property, but I had neighbors on either side that took water in. And of course, we know all over this community, people took water in. And many people I work with at this station took water in. And that goes for, again, all the other journalists in the city. And, and the balance of having real world personal issues affecting you and then having to broadcast those and talk about those on the air objectively and, and trying to keep a, a sane mindset was the most challenging thing I've ever done. Um, so that's the one that stands out. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, I think would much more positive would probably be our December 2017 snow event, as that was just a joy to broadcast that because yeah. we know, yeah. I mean, people only get to experience that once every five to ten years. And I happen to be 
I was not on the forecast for that event. I was on air. My first day back from a vacation was the day it started to happen. So I didn't have the challenge of trying to broadcast that forecast. However, uh, and getting back and being a part of it was fantastic to get there that morning when we started getting the, the five to six to eight inches of snow. But the ironic thing about it was I had just gotten back from a trip to the mountains because my wife and I had missed seeing snow for the last <laughs> several years. Like, Let's go somewhere where we can see snow. Yeah. So we get back from this expensive trip to the mountains, and if I had, uh, I guess, been a little more patient, I would have gotten it for free. Yeah, but the mountain scenery is kind of nice to see as well. You know, It was. Yeah, I it lived was. out west for a number of years, uh, close to 14 years in Salt Lake City. So, yeah, I, uh, I shoveled a little bit of snow. That first year is kind of cool, being from South Louisiana, but... Uh, you know, when you got a foot and a half in the driveway and you don't have a snowblower, it's it's not fun. <laughs> you know, it's no, no. And it, it, down here we have that heavy, wet snow where you're shoveling it and it can right. be painful. But then we're also very fortunate that we might only have to do that once every five or six years. And typically, if you give it some time, it's melted by midday. Yeah, that's the whole point. I mean, you know, better take yeah. those pictures early because it'll be gone maybe by the afternoon, more than likely. I, I want to get back to the uh, memory of the flood. This is something that I mentioned to my wife last night. The time that I've uh, interviewed you when you showed up at our uh, news talk station back in the day, uh, actually, it was over the phone and you were stunned. I guess the thing that really surprised you from a meteorologist perspective was the way that those clouds were, the high level of those clouds weren't moving at all. I mean, it was just, and you had a lot of worry in your voice. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just this bizarre pattern that, you know, you just can't replicate. And we had this very, very weak front in southeastern Texas, as we know, by August, fronts aren't getting here anymore. So it's stalled somewhere in the lower Midwest. We had an area of high pressure off the east coast of the United States. So you had these two driving forces, uh, winds coming out of the, the southwest on one side and the southeast on another side. And on top of that, a little bit of a tropical disturbance that was kind of parked in the central gulf. So this front lodging this tropical air mass in place. And I you remember. had enough forcing in the atmosphere from the wind flow coming in two different directions, and then that, that tropical low to kind of enhance the rainfall and allow moisture to pool into the central Gulf Coast, where it's just this ideal setup for a storm to just park and rain out and rain and rain and rain. And, um, just to see amounts of 20-plus inches is one thing, and, and that's happened in southeast Louisiana for, for maybe one point in a parish, but over a large 8 to 10 parish area, seeing 20 inches of rain, just unprecedented. It was an event that we certainly don't have any record of with some spotty records going back to the 1800s. And even with our, our um, more complete records going back to the 1930s, 40s, mm-hmm. and 50s, we've right. just never seen anything like that. And I sure hope we don't see anything like it anytime soon. Yeah, I was telling my oldest son, I said, you know, I may be in some nursing home at the age of 92 out of my mind, but I'll tell you, I will not forget that experience. Uh, I want to get get your uh, some personal insight before I let you go here on uh, couple of things. What is the best advice you ever got before you got into the business? And what advice do you have for uh, people that want to be, uh, you know, following the Josh Eaches uh, footsteps? Well, um, that's probably changed over the years. Like the advice I've gotten versus what I would give to somebody now. Right. Um, it's much easier for me to I'll start there. At least I have to think for a minute on the other one is what I tell students that I meet at weather conferences now and, and those that are interested in meteorology and more broadly in broadcast journalism is 
please do this out of a passion for either the science or information and journalism. Please do not do this to get famous or to get rich because that is not what it's about and you're not going to get there. You're just not. That's not the appropriate drive and those people get sorted out very early when they they get their first job and they're uh, making just enough to pay the rent and they realize that this is not what I thought being on TV was about because news reporters are not Kardashians. Let's put it that way. Yeah, where you yeah. get paid to do nothing and you make millions. Well, yeah. Um, so that's the advice I tend to give. Uh, I like to call say it's a calling. It, it really is a calling because mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to get rich doing it. Um, so is Twister your favorite movie? that's fine it it actually isn't i really um i I hated that movie (laughs) maybe until uh college ish and we realized it was kind of a nerdy cult level following to it um because when you're especially when you're a spying meteorologist and you know you're just starting to learn there are so many cheese ball moments in that movie (laughs) there really are (laughs) make you roll your eyes and you can now laugh about in the 90s, and people thought that's actually how storm chasing worked. It was a little bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a turnoff. But now we can all look back and laugh about it. And it is, it's a pretty good, from, from just a cinematic perspective, it's a pretty good movie. So do you do weather in your off time, uh, or do you like to kind of unplug? Uh, yes. That has changed so much over the years as well. I, I don't want to mislead people by saying this, but I, I, I could certainly do have a passion for this. And when I'm in the office, I'm in 100% of the time, mm-hmm. but especially in the last two or three years and, it, and with the, the new team we have coming in now, um, and you know, you have a degreed, um, 110% hardworking meteorologist when you're not in the office, I do have the comfort to unplug and unwind. And I love going on a vacation and leaving the phone on the charger mm-hmm. and just not taking it with me. When I go out to restaurants for a hike in the woods or the beach, used to live to work and now I do work to live. I right. really do enjoy That's my good. time away. But, but but I am I am trying to, you know, during the week, uh, even when I go home this afternoon, once I'm still paying attention to the weather. Mm-hmm. But when I take a vacation, I try to take a yeah. full vacation. Yeah, you don't even watch the news in the condo. No, um, you, you, it is really nice to be off for one or two weeks out of the year when you get that opportunity. Well, it's good to get a snapshot of who you are, Josh. Uh, I've been meaning to do this for a long time, and and we really appreciate you joining us. I appreciate the time, and uh, you've got a fan. Now that I'm aware of the podcast, it's something that I will be uh, checking out regularly, and I think it's great. Use that social media and tell your cohorts to uh, share, share, share. All right. Josh Eges, Chief Meteorologist from Channel 2. Okay. uh, Well, that's it for the Scotty Mac with Cheese podcast, powered locally by Markin Properties. Yes, it's luxury resort living and a great place to get away to, especially if you've been locked in for COVID-19. Beautiful resort living right on Lake Lanier, just north of Atlanta. There's a couple of spots there, and that one in Fort Lauderdale. Stunning, jaw-dropping. MarkinProperties.com. M-A-R-K-E-N Properties.com. Josh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.